Welcome listeners to the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. Thank you for joining us for what is episode five. You're joined by your usual four hosts, Jack, DY, DC, and Lawrence. So we've got a pretty standard episode in store for today. Got some really good listener questions we want to discuss. But as always, we're going to head into a brief recap of everyone's weeks. So I'm going to let Lawrence kick this off today. Jack, mate, there's no such thing as a standard episode with us. We're always going to get in there, surprise the listeners with something. Always exciting. Exactly. Exactly. It's always exciting. But no, um, it's been a pretty good week, mate. I'm just coming into half about halfway through the sixth week of my current mini cut and pretty happy with how things are looking. I thought I would, you know, expedite the fat loss process by actually shaving my chest and stomach this week. So look another two weeks ahead than I actually am, which is good. But all in all, I'm pretty happy with how things are looking, mate. I'm definitely quite pleased with, um, especially some of the side shots. That wasn't necessarily something we had focused on in this last improvement season. Obviously, a lot was going towards the rear shots, but I've been pretty pleased with how that sort of top line upper shelf area is looking. I think there's definitely been some tissue acquired there. And um, yeah, had some, a bit of time in the Pilates room after today's push session to take a few images and yeah, things were, I thought looking pretty cool. So I'll probably chuck a video of that up tonight, which will be awesome. And um, other than that, mate, like I definitely have noticed the slightest little bit increase in hunger and sort of appetite this week and maybe just a smidge of a drop in training performance for certain lifts, which I think after, you know, five and a half weeks of being in a pretty aggressive deficit is to be expected, but by all means, it's nothing to sing songs about. It's just sort of a little something that I've noticed this week. So another two weeks to go after this week, get a little bit more off and then we'll head back into mass mode. Awesome. And are you still, in terms of your gym, are you still aiming to be quite assertive in terms of progression or are you like happy to take, maintenance on certain exercises yeah so by all means mate still doing my absolute best to take progressions and on most movements i still am it's just been a few that require a little bit more in the way of stability so my pressing with the flat barbell bench press has just sort of hit a bit of a stall i haven't dropped any reps on it yet but it's just really tough to move it up and then the chest supported t-bar row the heavier set of that is just feeling like it's a little bit harder than usual, but all like lower body stuff and all my other elements of my session are pretty good at the moment. It's definitely not like that point you're in, in prep where you're fighting just to maintain numbers. It's by no means at that level. And I think, you know, that's where you want to be in a mini cut. I don't think there is really any reason why you can't be progressing 95% of your lifts in a mini cut because you still got enough calories on board to fuel sessions. You've still got enough body fat on board to fuel sessions, but it's just been the slightest little decrement, which is really nothing to be worried about. Yeah. I think it certainly helps to be on the, the mini cut calories that you're on currently. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, and that's why I can't complain, mate. Like I'm still on like 400 carb, 55 fat, 250 protein. So it's not, quote-unquote poverty macros by any means like i'm still pretty well fed throughout the day i guess just being that it is starting to you know get a bit leaner now i think that's where at the end of the meal it's like mm, yeah i could have probably had a bit more there but then you know you wait another 10 minutes you move on to whatever you're doing and then you've forgotten about it anyway so it's just been like a little bit more hunger this week but you almost want that you know if you're not feeling any hunger at all 
then it's like, well, have you ever really taken enough off in a mini cut? Because that's one of the most important things about a mini cut is to resensitize that appetite. So when calories go back in, in another couple of weeks, for those that first month or two, the food should be going down really easy. So that's part of it, I guess. Yeah, totally. I agree. And what about you, DC? Anything new and exciting? Um, training wise, we're coming up to a test week next week. So um, basically the, the progression amongst my current program is <clears throat> it's basically like an intensification block. So we've got a, a decrease in, in rep scheme from week to week. And then in my test week, it's basically put on the load of week two and perform uh, two AMRAPs. So max, max sets. Um, so that'll be, that'll be exciting. Um, I have been managing, you know, in, in the most recent, um, podcast talking a bit about my lower back. So it's been feeling pretty damn good actually. So I'm going to, um, I mean, I, I should really approach my RDLs next week conservatively because it'll be the first week back into RDLing after a good month off, but, um, yeah, we'll see how I'm feeling on, on the day. And uh, I guess lifestyle wise or, or coaching wise, we had uh, the posing workshop on the weekend and they've obviously started back up again. So that's, that's really exciting. I think competitors are sitting at around what, 12 weeks out from the first show being Tropics, uh, that being a Queensland show, obviously. And, uh, and so that, yeah, that's, that's a really exciting time getting into these posing workshops. And, uh, and surprisingly, there's a lot of competitors at these workshops as well, which is generally not the case and i'm probably dan could probably justify this as well is that you know in the first couple of workshops not many people show up and then as you get kind of closer to the actual stage time people decide that it's um it's time for them to, to come to these workshops so yeah mate that's uh not a whole lot going on not you know not nothing super exciting but um yeah can i just ask dc and maybe dy can comment on this as well i don't mean to pry but are you guys being financially reimbursed for your efforts at those posing workshops or was that pure pro bono work uh pure pro bono so the what a hero who the people who show up um you pay like a like an entry fee i guess to, to 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 participate but you know that being said if you've got if you've got athletes there then 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 you want to be there right so uh and you could just say that that's a part of their coaching service in which they 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 pay for but um, I also just like attending these workshops for, for exposure and to meet new athletes, things like that as well. I just think it's a good opportunity to get amongst the community. And, and uh, it's also helps me in refining my posing and keeping it fresh because I don't know about you guys, but like in the off season, it's a bit more of a chore to practice your posing. So if you go to these workshops and it gives you an opportunity to practice, I feel like I am more switched on when it comes to then actually teaching an, an athlete or a client of mine. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. And especially in the winter months in Australia, not that it's as cold as uh, Europe, but it's uh, discouragement to um, get into jocks, that's for sure, and pose. But what about you, DY? Fortunately, I can't comment on making any monetary value from the posing classes. I'm just messing with you, DC. I make nothing as well. I'm there for the love of the sport. Uh, so what's been happening? Um, like I said last week, we did an increase of volume among, like over my week points. So a total of three sets of chest has increased across the week alongside three sets of back. Uh, alongside that, I also increased the calories by 100 kcals across all days. Uh, and it felt amazing. Uh, every session pretty much had PBs in volume, obviously, because they increased volume. But 
in terms of weights lifted and stuff like that. So it actually felt really good. Um, I honestly thought that going into now the second week of the increased volume, the performance would probably drop off a little bit and then I'd maybe deload the next week. But currently right now, I'm still progressing very smoothly. So I might even delay my deload until the progress kind of comes to a halt. And unfortunately like uh i know like well not unfortunately normally i run my deloads like six weekly but this time i don't think i will run it on the six weekly i might push it back an extra week to maybe that uh seventh week like if i can still progress i'm not going to take the deload any earlier than what i need to mm. other than that um posing was on the weekend <laughs> when you're in the off season it's not as interesting as when you're doing mini cuts mini cuts you're sitting there you're dropping a kilo a week you're looking wicked getting shredded uh Unfortunately, I can't shave my chest like Lawrence here and drop 3% body fat. Yeah, what so about you? You're a wax mate. Yeah. I got my oh. eyebrows waxed today. Bit of a tidy up. I don't know if you boys can tell. Oh, you're looking schmick. Have you ever tried getting them threaded? No, I haven't. I've got a, a pretty close friend that works as a, a beautician, I believe is the correct term. So I, I go down to her to get it done. Because, mate, Gemma with the tweezers is absolute torture. Like, it's shocking. And she takes like 20 goes to get like one hair. So I'd rather they just get in there, get it done, get it out of the way. I was going to ask you though, DY, how's the back feeling? Uh, well, uh, the injury, like on the glute? Yeah, yeah, the glute's actually feeling quite good. I did my leg day to day and pretty much had no pain at all. So my man Lawrence here is, is a magician. Nah, it, it felt good. It's not really affecting anything at the moment. Um, so... Hopefully, going forward next week, when I start writing up my next program, I can maybe get a little bit more, ad like, you know, adventurous with the exercises I might choose, maybe adding back in some of the previous lifts that were causing a little bit of issues and then going from there. I didn't know you injured your glute. What did, um, what did Alana do to you? <laughs> <laughs> what happens in the bedroom stays in the bedroom, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no worries. Just message it to me. No, I had like a little bit of an issue like on my uh, like deep on my left glute when I was doing any like stretched positions. So like <laughs> it's probably not doing it. It's probably getting worse as I speak. Yeah, but like, around your ears. yeah. So like when I was doing like uh, deep squats, like barbell back squats, I was having an issue on my left side. And then also with like deadlifts, like RDLs, uh, actual barbell deadlifts, like once pulling it off the ground. I'd like a, it felt not right on like deep in my left glute. So I went to Lawrence here. He gave me a couple exercises. We had an idea of roughly what it was. We just went about it how he suggested. And yeah, it's been feeling really good since. I do have a little niggle like here and there, but it's not like it used to be. Like it used to be like for like four days, it was like tender. But now it's just like, if it is tender, it's only for like an hour or two, maybe maximum a day. And it's feeling really good again. And did you see Lawrence in person or via telehealth? Uh, so I did both. So I went to him in person, obviously did like the assessment and stuff like that. I figured it would probably be a lot easier than doing it online. And then I believe I was his first telehealth call uh, on the second one as well. So um, he just gave me like a little bit of an update, a couple of more exercises to try, touch base, um, seeing what was feeling good and what wasn't. And yeah, went from there. I haven't had another checkup with him since. He said if it was feeling fine, it was pro progressively getting better, not to worry about it. So yeah, everything's been going very smooth. Uh, I'll probably send him my program in the next week or so. You can have a little look over it, give it his It'll tick of approval. You. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but hopefully we can make a, a swap of services for free. Mate, absolutely. Once I get onto Team DY. 
<laughs> you still got to send me those trunk photos first. <laughs> what Mr. about you, Jack? Rashford Smith? Oh, you beat me to it, mate. Uh, I, I want to know how his uh, day of the mini cut macros on uh, my prep macros were. <laughs> yeah, well, as the boys alluded to, I'm mini cutting at the moment. So some exciting stuff on my end. And yeah, it's been only about six days. Um, I got my macros from AJ uh, last week in my check-in, which on a, is on a Wednesday. So one weekend, uh, quite a big slash to food. I think I was in like the low to mid 4,000 mark um, uh, in the peak of my off season and my training day macros are around like 2,900 now. Um, so 350 carb, 50 fat and 275 protein. Uh, rest day macros are even lower. So 250 carb, 250 protein, 60 fat, um, which is a, a big drop for me. And uh, fortunately, like my appetite is completely fine like similar to Lawrence like we both kind of got to a position where appetite was in a pretty poor position at our peak body weight so it's been a bit of like a, a welcome change to eat less food and I haven't really manipulated volume or anything just kept my food choices pretty similar um, I'm just no longer uh, blending my cereal in the morning I've decided to eat it uh, in solid form now uh, which is nice what are you blending What's I was actually it? blending Milo cereal in the morning Jack's moved on to solids. It's solids. mixed in oil with that and you've got a beautiful shake. How yeah, it, it has to be extra version olive oil. <laughs> How long are you planning on running this for, mate? Because it's quite aggressive. Do you think you'll end up going the full eight weeks or? Yeah, so I did start in a, in a pretty good position body composition wise. So AJ and I think it's probably going to be maybe like five, six weeks, um, which I think will be good. Because uh, I don't want to get to a position where uh, I get lean enough, which is just unnecessary. Because the main goal of this is just to like resensitize appetite, allow for the next gaining phase until pre prep will begin, like probably towards the end of this year, uh, and go from there. Out of curiosity, what were the off season calories compared to now? So, like, so the viewers, well, listeners mm -hmm. would get like a little bit of an insight. Yeah, so in the off-season on a training day, it was 625 carb, 80 fat, and 275 protein. So, yeah, a decent decent cut. Damn, from today, it would be 400 carb drop. That's insane. Whew, you would have yeah. felt that. Yeah, I, I certainly felt it the first rest day, which was 250 carb. And I think what's super interesting, though, is like, I remember in prep, like there were plenty of days where I ate 250 carb. I think that was like my go-to amount of carbs for quite a long time towards the end. And like at that point, I just felt like absolute crap um, as you do towards the end of prep. But like, it's so interesting how now I could quite happily eat 250 carb. Um, I'm sure in a few weeks I'll be back to being hungry, but um, it's so heavily determined by like your body comp and how lean you are. Um, if you guys can resonate with that. So is Tierra eating more than you now? <laughs> uh, Tierra is actually uh, still just wrapping up her diet. So I think I might just be edging over her just very slightly. Not for long. Yeah. Um, it's all fun and games till she beats that RDL of yours. <laughs> <laughs> 250 and, carb at the end of at the end of prep. That's um that's pretty hefty. Like that's not a bad amount to be on. I mean irrespective when you're lean, you know, you could be on 400 carb and mm. still be struggling in uh, a death store. But I think the lowest I got on my on my low days on my rest days was about 120, 120 carb. Mm. And, uh, and I think it was about 16k steps in that in that last week before Queensland's 
so yeah that was that was rough just for sure yeah yeah i don't think i've had a prep where i've probably gone under 200 carbs i think one time for like three days in between two shows i think i did like like a little bit of a deplete deplete and then i dropped like probably like 20 carb under like the 200 i think i went for 180 for like two to three days and that was pretty much it so i guess i'm uh, a little bit lucky there and steps have never gone over 8k so i'm a very very happy man there you're a genetic freak <laughs> live like a bodybuilder literally <laughs> and i guess it pays off yeah it's interesting how everyone's a little different like even if someone consumes more calories than you in the gaining phase it doesn't mean that they'll be on more calories than you in the deficit towards the end so yeah, yeah. i can probably even remember uh hearing about chris bumstead being on on about 100 carb or something like that towards the tail end of his his contest prep and obviously the, the size and, and mass on him you know so it's so bespoken to the athlete as, as to what their you know end date nutrition is going to look like prior to that contest prep and i think as an athlete you've just got to be willing to go low to get your conditioning uh, and i think being really emotionally attached specifically number you know the next time you contest prep you might actually even have to go lower than where you were at before even if you met your your contest prep you know requirements and it might just be changes in neat things like that adaptive thermogenesis as well so um yeah it's pretty low cals <laughs> yeah i think uh especially there's a well there was like a big thing in the community about energy availability and oh we don't want to go below a certain ea but ultimately like if you need to achieve the conditioning, then you can try and make it optimal in every other circumstance. But if you have to go low, then you've got to go low um, and just dip in and out of that um, and be as efficient as possible. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be compromised if, if you're, mm. you know, to get to the conditioning requirement of your of your category, specific to specifically the ones that require you to get you know, very, very, very lean, for sure. I think when you're in prep, a lot of those rules, especially like the EA kind of get bent. Like, you know, they get to a certain point where it's like, you're on the back end of like DCs here on the back end of prep, straighted glutes, like, you know, contender for a pro card, like probably the last thing on his mind's like, you know, shit, I'm one under my EA, you know, should I bump it back up? Like last thing that's going through this man's head is, you know, trying to achieve a optimal EA level. How's the audacity of DY contender of a pro card while he's got one hanging up on the wall behind him? Put some respect on his name, mate. <laughs> well, he didn't have it back then, did he? <laughs> it's true. Very true. Cool. Any Anything else from you guys before we head into some questions? No, let's get to it. Let's do it, cool. man. Awesome. So this it's not really a question per se. It's more so a discussion point about competing back-to-back. -back. So... Obviously, in Australia, we have season A and B. Some athletes might be on the fence about doing both season A and season B. So let's have a discussion around like what might be some of the pros and cons around that for certain athletes. So uh, DC, I'll let you kick this off. Yeah, so um, DY actually had a question for me last week and it was centered around one of the athletes that I helped get to the stage last season, Michael, who won the uh, ICN Queensland uh, physique overalls and, and won that. Um, and the sort of mindset around, like if an athlete like that was to look at competing again, the following season. So for example, here, season B, what would be, I guess, some of the pros and cons of competing back to back. And I think for most people competing back to back is probably not a fantastic idea. Um, 
but I think it's it's always going to be bespoken to the individual and their individual context as well. So, for example, Michael is a I guess he's a masters, um, you know, plus plus forties uh, athlete, and I tend to think that perhaps uh, athletes that are of older age may want to compete more uh, routinely or, or perhaps back to back because. If you think about the competitive years ahead of them, it may not be as much as obviously someone who's in their twenties and therefore they've got more time to, you know, more time on their shoulder in respect to spacing out further seasons, you know, one by one. So in, in Michael's case, if he was looking at competing in season B, you know, it's not a tremendous amount of time to obviously make progress. In fact, by the time you've kind of recovered from the dieting condition of season A, you're pretty much pushing back into, you know, the contest prep period. For, for, for season B, but if you're an individual who perhaps holds a leaner physique in the off season, it may be potentially more viable. Uh, and I think it also comes down to what you're actually wanting out of that season as well. So um, if you're someone who has a, you know, let's say quote unquote pro-worthy physique, which I think Michael absolutely does have, um, it may just be who wins on the days depending on, you know, where and who is judging. So it could go sort of any way. And I think in that case for, for Michael, that, that's definitely what it was like at the national show. Uh, and so I can see his interest in wanting to compete again because like, man, I'm, you know, while I'm not that far away from, 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 you know, the stage conditioning that I need to, can I potentially hold this for another 12 weeks um, to get on stage in three months time? And in his case, you know, he probably can. So it's also, you know, depending on, I guess, the, the athlete's experience as well. Yes, I'll touch on that as well. I think you got to you got the pros and the cons to it, but I think you've also got to do it for the right reasons. So like, as DC said it, if you've got a client and they go to nationals and they're trying for a pro card, maybe they come second and you know, they've got a pro worthy physique uh, and they handled the reverse diet or the recovery diet quite well. Like, you know, didn't put on a ridiculous amount of body fat, like, and they're in that situation where they do have that pro worthy physique. If their health isn't compromised, I don't really see an issue with it. But I, the biggest issue I have is people doing it for the wrong reasons. So let's say you have a bikini competitor. She does her show. She then messes up the whole reverse diet, recovery diet, and then puts on 15 kilos. And now the only reason she wants to do the prep is to lose that 15 kilos. Then that's the wrong reason to do the prep. So there's like, you got two, obviously, different situations like one person does have that pro worthy physique they do quite well in that reverse diet recovery diet um they recover quite well and they decide you know what like i am like don't really need to make any improvements maybe you might be able to make some tiny changes for that national show that you might not have done this season for like instant like dc bought his guy and shredded he looked absolutely unreal instead maybe like you know going for a little bit more fuller package might net him that pro card in that next season so you might be able to make a small alteration like that and he could come in and absolutely nail it but like i said you, you got to do do it for the right reasons and i think a lot of people that want to do back-to-back -back seasons do it for the wrong reasons yeah, I think that's a great point, DY. Like, I'm not going to belabor it, but essentially, if you're needing to compete in order to keep yourself in a body composition that makes you happy, then there's much bigger fish to fry for you, unfortunately, and you definitely need to try and address that with someone. I guess from my perspective, like, obviously, the three of you being contest prep coaches will have a better understanding than me in terms of the processes and stuff from a coach's perspective. But I find it interesting because, yes, I think an older athlete because they are starting to get closer to their genetic ceiling, they might have that 
want to compete more frequently. But I also find it interesting because when you're a younger athlete, because your rate of progression is so much faster and because you don't require as much time to make those actual noticeable improvements that are going to reflect into the stage package. That's where I can also see a rationale for potentially getting a few shows on your belt. So for example, in 2017 in season, a, I did my first show and then my second show or my second season, I should say was season B 2018. So that's not a, a long time away from the stage, but given I was still quite early in my lifting career, I was able to make some appreciable improvements still. So I think it's interesting because I can see an argument for both ends of the age spectrum for actually competing more frequently. And then when you're in that intermediate advanced stage where you're working hard for every single kilo of stage weight, I think that's when it's probably more warranted to take some further time away. But I think that it is also going to come back to the division as well. Like how, how hard does this person need to push? Are they getting into legit inside out conditioning as a bodybuilder or as a women's fitness competitor, or are they perhaps choosing a division that does require a slightly softer look? And I know that's probably getting a little bit more irrelevant because all the divisions are getting pretty lean nowadays, but you know, a first time bikini competitor is not going to need the same amount of time to reverse out and to start feeling better than a pro bodybuilder who's gotten absolutely inside out peeled for the most part. Obviously everything's going to be different, but yeah, I guess that's sort of my dollar store take on the on the whole thing. It's like a rubber band effect. Like the more you, you yeah, exactly, and the more it's going to recoil and just slap you in the face. <laughs> in terms yeah. of a back to back, oh sorry, Jack. In terms oh, yeah. of like a back to back season, it's like you realistically, if you were to have the thirty weeks from season A show to season B, you're probably not going to make nearly any progress from that in between the 30 weeks because a large majority of it you're going to be dieting and the other large majority of it you're probably going to be recovery dieting as well so in terms of actual progress made over that 30 week period it's probably going to be nearly nothing so that's why i was saying like the only reason you would probably do it is if you've already got an outstanding physique now when lawrence suggested like you know why not competing more frequently when you're younger was like some of the younger years are the most productive years you're ever going to have especially if you do it like under the belt of a good coach or something like that you know if you were to make two years worth of gains between each stage appearance compared to the one like the two years you're going to make astronomical progress and you won't be wasting probably 25 weeks of it cutting for a comp Mm. but sorry jack there you go well yeah I, i mean you go you guys know i like playing devil's advocate so i'll say that i'll be i think for the most people that end up just looking worse for back to back seasons because especially for the the divisions that do require more conditioning they ultimately unless they're a unique individual which there are some they probably compromise their hormonal status and then they recover that maybe by the time they start dieting again and then they lose it again for the second season and you're right, DY, like I don't think either that they're going to really make any muscle gain because they're going to be recovering and then dieting, et cetera. Um, so I, I think it's more down to like those divisions that don't require quite as much conditioning like bikini at this stage for ICN. But as Lawrence said, like every single year, the divisions are getting leaner and leaner. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess bikini for, you know, ICN, NBA is is a lot different bikini for you know IFBB 
And I think it's also bespoken to how your competition layout looks like, you know, your competitive timeline amongst, amongst the years. So for example, like you said, Lawrence, like our seasons are dedicated to a season A and a season B, whereas like over in the States, it's not, it's not quite like that for a lot of federations, WNBF, you know, the natural side of things and then IFBB, obviously the more enhanced or potentially enhanced side of things. So it's, it's not uncommon for competitors to compete earlier within the year and then and then look at competing. And let's say they qualify for the Olympia, then holding back for the Olympia, which is always at the end of the year. So it could be a good chunk of time between potentially what would have been a season A and a season B in terms of a timeline. Uh, and you could consider that, you know, back to back. But yeah, I, I think obviously on, on that side of things, perhaps that, that enhanced realm, you know, the detriment of, of low energy availability is not quite as much as a, as a natural athlete because of the enhancements that you're taking, but um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a different, different ball game, as you said, but uh, let's move on to a more lighthearted question. So this one says you can only eat one meal for the rest of your life. What is it and why? So, Lawrence, I'll let you start with this one. Well, I guess if you want to answer it like pragmatically, you're probably selecting something with all the requisite nutrients and stuff. But if I'm eating one thing, you know, I want to enjoy it. So I'm going to say what's probably my favorite meal and which would at least still give me, you know, some protein and some some healthy fats, as I'm sure you can educate us about, Jackie boy. But I would probably go a bagel toasted and a thin layer of cottage cheese to lay the base with some salmon and capers on it and then a good crack of salt that's probably my favorite thing to eat off season prep doesn't matter that's that's a hell of a meal and you'd be okay with eating that every single meal for the rest of your life 100% easy yeah right that's not my, you know, my fats might be a bit high but... go with a meal hey but yeah i mean it sounds good for sure i'd barely call that a meal well, yeah, I, but stack, I think if we're going for overall health, you know, I probably just have what I have most nights for dinner, which is just like big bowl of veggies with some rice and a protein source. But that's no fun. Mm. Yeah, you got to tick off flavor and nutritional quality, don't you? It's a tough, tough switch to flick for both of them. What about you, DY? So it's th- throw the macros completely out the window. All right. The meal that I would eat, whatever it would be, would have the perfect amino acid profile, all, all the good stuff. Go. It, it would fit whatever macro I want. It would probably be a burger and fries. I'm not going to lie. Like, if it just kind of hits the spot. Like, I don't know. Like, and you can have so many different burgers as well. But, like, if the macros were thrown out the window, it was pretty much tick every single box and I could have it every single day. Probably some sort of burger and fries. Maybe one day chicken, one day beef, you know. But what about you, DC? I'm trying to think of it in a, in a way of like, if I still have the competitive goals or surrounding bodybuilding, you know, and, 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 and considering the micronutrient contents of foods and things like that, uh, it would probably be some sort of stir fry. Cause then I could get a good quality protein source an allotment of different mixed, mixed vegetables of different color. Uh, you could even add in to that stir fry, like almonds or cashews or something like that to get some healthy fats in there as well. Um, and you know, you could either have some sort of rice or, um, some sort of grain, like, um, uh, noodles or something like that as well so kind of ticks a lot of boxes there but if i had to just choose based on flavor i'd probably choose pizza to be honest <laughs> all the choice yeah yeah i mean i'd be pretty similar to what you said in terms of the stir fry like maybe a burrito bowl or a poke bowl 
because you got some veg, you got a lean protein source, you got some cheese on top of the burrito bowl for dairy. You got so yeah, so it ticks all those boxes. Um, but I mean, if I threw nutrition out of the window, it probably would be similar to DY, probably burger and chips. What's the go-to burger joint, Jack? What's your favorite? There used to be this one at uh, at Noosa, which my family used to holiday at a lot. Uh, I think it was like Burger Urge. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Are they gone now? I think they are gone, yeah. yeah. No, 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 they're not. I've got the inside <laughs> scoop. There's one two minutes from my house. So oh, they're wow. not gone and they're still there. Well, I live close well to you, traveled. so that's, that's close to me as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's over near Salisbury, near, opposite mm. the Anytime Gym, near the McDonald's right there on the corner. So there you go. Hopefully the person that owns Burger Urge hears this podcast and you get some sort of sponsorship deal with it. Some sort of kickback. So Alana in her like, I think second ever prep used to get like takeaway quite frequently. And she used to track the takeaway, obviously, as you would in a prep. Uh, But what happened is they had like the macros for all their meals online and they were actually like quite good. So she was getting it like maybe once, twice a week. But then we went on there again and we checked the macros like, a couple of weeks later and they were changed so like all the fats were like increased like drastically and then that was the end of burger Road. so i never had it since did you guys see what jackson pios put up on his instagram how he's actually launching like a restaurant it's called like pump kitchen or something like that where it's you know supposed to be actually cool food like interesting meals not just chicken and rice but he's sort of got this whole thing where everything is actually going to be precisely weighed and prepared in the way that, you know, you would at home accounting for all the calories and macros and like the macros are actually going to be very specific and very good. I think it's in Perth. So mm. we might have to make a trip boys uh, just to get a meal, but yeah, pretty cool idea. Yeah, I did see that. And it would be cool even if they had branched out into like uh, meal prep, because that would be, I mean, that sounds logical to me, but if I'm ever in Perth, I'll, I'll certainly check it out. Yeah, I wish we had like what they have in the UK, like a NutraFast or something like that, where you could just get like like a lot of single food ingredients and stuff that was just like pre, pre-prepared. Because man, like, especially in the off season, like you just get so sick of cooking. Like you're preparing these meals and you're just like, man, it'd be great to have like one of those sponsorships like AJ or Cuba and it just rocks up at your door and it's all ready to go. What about the like trifecta brand that sponsors, I think the Olympia where they like do all their protein sources. So like they'll have it like all in like vacuum sealed bags or it'd be like, you know, if they want like lean ground beef mints or something with like, you know, like a taco flavoring or something like that, they have it all like individually weighed with the macros on it. And they normally sponsor like all the big dogs, like in the Olympia, like maybe Seabum and stuff like that. They've all got like these trifecta sponsorships. They're huge over in America, not so big over here. Yeah, even just the meats. How good would that be? You never have to cook meat again. Because like that's sort of the most time-consuming part. It's probably going to be good quality as well. Like if they're that big of a brand and they're endorsing all these top-tier bodybuilders, like the last thing you would want is some crap protein. But yeah. Do you guys eat much kangaroo at all? Mate, where is it? Where <laughs> no, is it? I'm going to have to start thing. like, you know, trying to scrounge in the country roads. Like I can't get hold of it. Have you been able to get any? No, uh, Tierra snagged a bag the other day and she uh, gratefully didn't buy me any. Um, so I've just been using plain old chicken breasts. The only kangaroo that is available when you search it on like the Coles online shopping is the dog food. And, you know, man, I'm a couple of weeks away from potentially giving it a go. 
Yeah, I mean, my dog seems to enjoy it, so don't see why you wouldn't. Well, lucky none of us are dieting right now because a combination of no no kangaroo and then and then no lettuce. What's going on here? Baby spinach as well. Whenever I go to the shops, baby spinach is tapped out. Now I've tried kangaroo. I, I like don't mind the taste, but I remember in prep, I like had it and I was like, you know what? I'll mix up my meals. So I like had like some of them kangaroo patties and my weight went up like one kilo overnight. And I was like, oh, hell no. I was like, I ain't risking this shit. I just cut it straight out, straight back to the chicken breast. I was like, all right, done. DC, what's your diet like, mate? Because you don't share a whole lot of your food and stuff on the gram. Are you pretty like bro-ish in your approach or you pretty much eat the same stuff most days like the rest of us pretty much yeah yeah so i mean i don't i don't share a lot of my personal life on on social media to be honest and even in training well, i haven't really been sharing a lot as of uh, as of recent but um not for any reason other than just sometimes i just i just get over instagram to be honest like it's it's actually really empowering to walk into the gym and just train and enjoy it and love it and then walk out and not feel like you need to report it to anyone you know but uh, obviously there's advantages to instagram for sure but eating wise back to me um yeah i do eat quite consistently each, each day so most mornings tends to be some sort of um some sort of oats and if i'm my calories are sitting you know higher in the off season typically it's just adding a few different spreads and things like that to it just to kind of bulk the caloric intake up in that uh and then lunches are pretty pretty consistent across most days i tend to make just like a bit of a loaded sandwich for, for lunch just because it's it's super easy and i can just throw ingredients together and then dinner is more centered around something that nicole and i might might cook together and uh, and sort of bond over you know cooking after a big day of work or whatever it may be so it, it tends to change but it could be a stir fry pasta we've been making um like a sort of homemade pizzas as of recently which has been pretty fun so yeah, we, yeah, uh, nutrition, I, I try to dedicate as much sort of mental fortitude to my nutrition as possible. So I can free up that room for the other things that I need to do within my day. Mm. Yeah. It's nice that you guys uh, try to plan that evening meal together. Cause I'm sure, for example, Tierra and I, like we, the only time we would eat the similar meal at dinner is for a special occasion. So um, what about uh, DY? Like, do you and Alana ever combine the same evening meal it depends because normally she'll ask me whatever i'm having and then i'll probably just cook a second batch of it and we'll just make it even larger normally currently right now she's actually kind of got like a sponsorship so they like give her her own pre-packed meals and she hates cooking so it just makes it so much more easier for her she can literally go buy one of the micro microwavable meals and actually taste really good so she's happy with them but some of the time she'll just ask whatever i'm having and normally i cook up like one of my meals that i normally have each night uh in the off season is like a big spaghetti like a red base spaghetti with like um like kind of like lean mince broken up throughout it and i like it and she loves it so whenever i have enough she normally just tries to tag in mm. can't go wrong with bolognese yeah, it's like, it's like a quick bolognese because if you're going to make a real one, it's going to take you like three to five hours. I'm like, oh man, I'm a man of efficiency. I got it down packed. I make it in like 15 minutes now. So, and it ticks the boxes in terms of taste. So I'm a happy man. What about you, Lawrence? Because Gemma's uh, not as in tune with the, the bodybuilding scene as you are, of course. Yeah, like obviously she doesn't track or anything like that. But being a dietetics student, she's obviously eats very well and uh, meals are very nutritious and that sort of thing but we actually because we don't live together yet we don't tend to have a lot of dinners together so a lot of the time whether she's coming here or I'm going there we'll probably just eat our respective dinners at our own places before we then come over 
And yeah, probably more similar to, to you, Jack, like when we do share a meal together, it's generally if we've gone out for dinner or if it's more of a special occasion, that sort of thing. Like the other night, we actually tried to make our own poke bowls and that sort of thing. So we had that together. But yeah, it's just one of those things where it's probably more just a logistics thing through not actually living together yet. But I'm sure once we're in our own place together, then it'll be, you know, eating dinner and stuff together. But she doesn't rate my cooking at all, which I don't blame her. It's pretty abysmal. She even, or she says, I don't actually cook. I just put ingredients in the same bowl and eat it, which is a fair statement, I reckon. That kind of reminds me of a different topic about dietitians and cooking because uh, I get clients occasionally who will be like, oh, you're a dietitian. You must be an amazing chef or something. But I think people don't always correlate cooking with dietetics. It's kind of like cooking and, and sports nutritionist. It doesn't mean you're a, a good cook, which I'm I'm not too flush in the kitchen if you've seen my meals. You're just like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a great cook. Like I can cook two minute noodles in a minute. <laughs> I remember That's you right. used to be very big on like the, uh, like the buckwheat flour, wasn't it? Do you still have that in your off season or even mini cutting right now? Yeah, that was mainly Tiara who... Uh, I think she just liked it over regular flour because it's like a different, it's a pseudo grain. So it has like different nutritional properties, but I think she still has it occasionally, but it, it's not for me. I'll just stick to regular wheat flour. She's a proper foodie though. Like she, I reckon Tierra could actually cook up a nice meal and everything looks great always. Mm. Very aesthetically pleasing, even though it could be buckwheat flour. So I don't know what the hell I'm getting into, but you know, we're not going to go there. I'm not going to lie. One time I tried to make the, the cream of wheat dish mm-hmm. that you guys make and it came out like freaking sludge, man. And I was just, I looked at Nicole, I'm like, this is bullshit. <laughs> I did not eat it, of course, but um, haven't tried again. So maybe I got the portions wrong. That's cream my of current. rice, DC, cream of rice. <laughs> cream of rice, yeah. Cream yeah. of rice. What do you guys my- Cream of wheat. Yeah, all the different ones. Yeah, no, the cream of rice is my current pre-workout meal. So I personally love it. Digest super easy. So Have you tried the cream of wheat? D-Y? No, I haven't. I've just had the mm-hmm. McKenzie's cream of rice, uh, rice flour, and I'm a happy man. Scoop of protein in there. When the cows get high, adding a bit of honey, bit of mm-hmm. obviously fruit every day. Kind of. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> it's either fruit or chocolate. So it's either one of the two, you know? Depends. Nah. I normally always have a little bit of fruit in there as well. I normally have it like two hours pre-training and it works a treat. Yeah, I think often people just, uh, it, it takes a few attempts, as Lawrence would know, to actually get the texture of cream of wheat down because otherwise it just turns into like cardboard or cement and it's not that appetizing, I agree. I found the ratio is like four to one, kind of. So like every one gram of flour, you need like pretty much like four mils of water. So if you're going to have a hundred grams of rice flour, you need probably around about like 400 mils of water. Now, if you're in the back end of a deficit, I was increasing it to like 600 mils of water per one gram. So, well, six to one, just to volumize it up a little bit, but Mm. yeah, depends on what situation you're in. It's not very voluminous. The cream of rice is what I found. Like the benefit of especially like uh, wholemeal flour is that because it has the extra fiber, like it'll absorb more water. But that's one thing I didn't like about the cream of rice in in prep. Yeah, you're hungry again, like one hour after it, I noticed. Yeah. So I would I would always have oats. Um, but like there was a time there where I did experiment with the cream of rice. I wasn't a fan, but I feel like if I was to do prep, like my next prep, I'd probably have cream of rice starting and then maybe transition into the oats as it gets steeper. Mm. Cool. Well, we'll move on to our next question. This one's also related to nutrition in a sense. Favorite pre-workouts. So I'll let you kick this off, DY. 
So it depends on what I'm feeling. If I want something to taste good, normally I like the disordered ones. Uh, just taste good. Or, or they've got a, an array of flavors as well. I think they've got like eight flavors and every one of them tastes amazing. Got a good amount of caffeine as well. Like I don't have like insane amount of tingles and everything. Now the hard hitting pre-workout that I had when I was in prep, which is probably the strongest one I've had was probably the Devastate or the Anabolics one from Nutrition Warehouse. Sorry, Lawrence. Um, but yeah, it, I don't know. They are very hard hitting and I had some extremely good workouts on them. Um, but then going out of prep, I kind of wanted something that didn't taste like medicine and I swapped over to like the disordered and I've personally loved them. Yeah. Imagine not being the home of no home brands. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry about that. What about you, Lawrence? I know you're probably a pre-workout fiend. Yeah, mate, I'm a connoisseur, ex-subsore junkie. So, um, nah, to be honest, like I like just a nice 250 to 300 caffeine. That's a good sweet spot for me. Anything more, I start to get a little bit jittery. I think Total War is a nice formula. I really like that one. They've got some good flavors. Ghost Legend is very solid as well. You are right though. Disorder is class. Like their black fire, which is like the grape in that brand is absolutely delicious. But I think Total War will probably be like my favorite, all things considered for stims. And then if I was to go like a non-stim or a pump formula, I'm having the Faction Labs Bulge at the moment, which it's a good formula, but it tastes pretty ordinary. Um, so if I had to go pump, I think I'd probably go Hydraulic by Axe and Sledge. They're really good. Uh, I do rate their stuff. Jack, yeah. let me guess yours. <laughs> Go for it. Is it uh, VPA by any chance? Yeah. I mean, what a guess. One in a hundred. Yeah. I mean, all those names you guys said basically mean nothing to me. Uh, like I, I'm the I, same. I'm listening to you <laughs> <laughs> reel off these names, these brands. And I'm like, dude, I've got no idea what any of these are. <laughs> I think, yeah, DC and I probably keep it pretty basic. Like I've been with VPA Australia since 2017. And I've just been using uh, their one, which is like, I think it's uh, pre-V2 and also the Cleos pre-workout. And to be honest, I just use pre-workout for caffeine. Like uh, people ask me, like, what about all the other ingredients? And all I need is like something that has a little bit of flavor and something that gives me a caffeine spike. And I also drink my pre-workout hot, which I'm not sure if any of you guys do as well. No, <laughs> I tried it. I tried it once in prep and it was disgusting. I had to remake my whole pre-workout and then, yeah, I had to go about it again. And you were like, thanks, Jack. Thanks for that recommendation, man. <laughs> you lost $3 a scoop there. <laughs> I can't remember, you, but you it, it was like subs. Oh, sorry, DY, you go, mate. Uh, I was about to say there was, I think it was a power sops employee that recommended I have it hot as well. I think it might even be Lawrence here that I saw taking it like hot with, uh, I think it was one of the other boys that were on the team. Aiden, wasn't it? Mate, I remember that's an absolute lie. You, uh, I don't know. I got stitched up with pre- a red pre-workout, and I was very, very disappointed. So now, whenever I think about asking Lawrence for suggestions on subs, I've just got to reconsider it every time. Mate, that's Jack leading you astray with the boiling water in the pre. Don't hold me accountable for that garbage. <laughs> well, it was nah. Tierra who told me first, but uh, I honestly can't. Had like a little saucer, like a teacup, and just like. Finger, finger in the air. <laughs> that would be my English heritage, yeah. But uh, I, I honestly haven't had like a cold pre-workout in in years, maybe since 2018. Because I find now it just the, the hot stuff just kind of goes through you a lot faster in more than one way, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of hit it um, hits the spot more rapidly as well. Like that caffeine <laughs> hits faster. 
takes it half an hour out from getting to the gym and then the other half an hour he's burying it in the toilet. <laughs> I don't know what he's up to. I've got to talk, time my walk there very carefully. There's no toilet. You just on start the way. running to leave Tierra behind. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, so DC, I was going to say, like, I've once again, because you're so aloof, I've never seen you post about any subs or anything. So, are you just on the creatines? Just the standard, uh, standard subs, I guess. Like, the the question around the, the pre workout, I'm actually a little bit more backwards than, than you guys, to be honest. I actually just make up my own sort of pre workout drink. So, um, I take Nodos, uh, which is just like caf- caffeine pills. And I'll usually take one, two, or three of those. And literally just mix in some creatine, betalanine, maybe some citrulline malate and like some Powerade powder. And I literally just mix it up and I drink that. Heisenberg. (laughs) You're either backwards or very far ahead of us, I think. Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. It's just, I guess I I know exactly what's in it. I'm I'm, I'm only really putting in the things that that matter to me um, as opposed to the the proprietary blends and all that BS that's that's added to a lot of um, subs. So um, yeah, I just find it's it's easy to throw in what 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 I need into that into that pre workout shake myself. Does that count as your intro as well? If you have Powerade, or is it zero Powerade? Um, intro, I would drink some some Powerade as well. So I might make up sort of two one that I'm going to drink throughout the entirety of my training session, and one that I might have sort of half an hour to th- to forty five minutes before I actually get to the gym. And what about prep? Like, would you still use the the full sugar Powerade in your pre? Un- unlikely like in the in the immediate uh the immediate phase of prep i was and i was still eating cereal and that sort of stuff but once your calories you know start getting very low energy availability is getting very low you it, it becomes this kind of management and trade-off between getting in you know, carbs pre-training but also managing enough hunger uh, or, or managing the hunger side of things and satiation if you're consuming too much of your calories through you know pre-workout means you, you're going to be struggling for the rest of the day so yeah it's going to be obviously quite different what it looks like in in a contest prep phase for me mm. when you're on tw- 120 carb i think the intra workout celery and uh baby spinach at that point pretty much yeah yeah exactly were you, were you eat any um were you on any like direct carb sources by then or mainly veg and fruit uh i was having oats but it, most of it was coming from either fruit so like strawberries or blueberries, oats, and and then most of it was from um, you know low or quite high fiber uh, vegetables. Mm. Have you ever any of you guys done the uh, zucchini in the oats? No, I've never no, taken that. Oh, I've heard of people doing this, and I'm just like, no, why ruin a good thing? That looks so bad. I'm sorry. Like if you, like that must be the one telltale sign you are just too deep in a deficit. If that's actually hitting the spot. Man, what about the egg whites and oats? That looks worse to me. I've never egg seen that either. Oats. Yeah, I've seen people do all kinds of things with pumpkin as well, like put pumpkin carrot, carrot cake oats. oats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're food focused when you're getting excited about fucking pumpkin oats. Dude, I got excited over cognac. So, yeah, that's how food focused <laughs> I was. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just pure fiber. Yeah. One thing I want to dox actually real quick, Jack, did you have intra workout when you were in prep? No, it wasn't. I was actually just thinking of asking you guys that like, I've never actually done a serious uh, deficit without or with intra. So this will be my first deficit per se, um, incorporating intra. So I haven't really reached the, the stage yet where like I'm feeling depleted in my sessions, but like once I do, I'll be interested whether I notice a difference once I have that intra. 
even if it's like a just that blood glucose spike kind of gives me a bit of a placebo boost. Yeah, because I've added out of my three preps, I've had it in my last two and I pretty much had zero performance drop-offs in my last two preps. And the first oh. one I had quite severe performance drop-offs, I think is game changing personally, but obviously it comes down to a point. Let's say if you're like DC here and you get to 120 carb, can you spare 20 to 30 carbs of intra workout for me from the starter prep? I just kind of like set aside like every single workout. I'm going to have like five grams of BCAAs alongside 30 grams of carbohydrates, like obviously high GI carbs. Um, and yeah, it went perfectly. I pretty much drank it all, by the way. I didn't have like rice cakes or anything like that. I, I personally love it. Pumps are so much better. And yeah, I, I think Lawrence as well. He also runs intra workout in his preps. I, I swear by it. So mm. Mm, you are right. Cause I, um, in the off season, like standard for me will be 40 grams of the pure carbs in with the intra and in prep, I sort of made it a rule at the start of prep that I would keep the 40 grams for as long as I could. And then when I really just wanted to be able to eat a bit more, I would just halve that. So even in the absolute depths of prep, I was still getting about 20 grams of carbs in the intra, which, you know, sometimes you have to sort of think to yourself like, man, I'd love to just add another, you know, 200 grams of like charisma potatoes into the meal at the end of the day. But I completely agree with you, DY. Like that was the first prep where I had used an intra consistently the whole way through. And that was, you know, the best training I've ever had in a pretty harsh deficit. Like for the most part, mm -hmm. I um, held performance really well. So once again, you know, it's not like it's the be all and end all. Like Jack was saying, it could just be that acute spike. I know there's something about the carbohydrate receptors in the mouth as well. Like those studies that they've done with like the mouth rinse, Jack. That, mm. that even that creates a bit of an increase in performance so um yeah I, I definitely think it's a good idea i thought about asking some of my girls to maybe like on the back end of prep like if you can't part way with the intra workout do like a carbohydrate mouth rinse but then like how much do you trust them like you know and how much is actually going to be absorbed in the mouth let's say they put 10 grams of like multidextrin in there like what might stay in the mouth what might not and then you know what happens if you accidentally swallow it you know but yeah, I mean, the interesting thing in that study, because there's been a few now, is that it actually didn't work with uh, zero calorie drinks. So like they might have had like diet Powerade and then it didn't get the same performance benefits as sugar Powerade, which I find it just fascinating that even just a mouth rinse can improve performance. Like the, the um, study I learned it through was like through endurance cyclists. So I think the longer the exercise modality is probably the more likely that it'll help with performance but yeah i'm certainly keen to um i don't think i'll ever get to the stage of mouth rinsing but uh i'll, I'll be keeping in for the whole time and you know we pretty much look like endurance cyclists by the end so that i reckon that'll transfer across quite nicely well, i could I even mean, argue that and say that they have bigger calves <laughs> i mean some of those race cyclists though like their legs uh i remember watching this youtube video of this race cyclist who uh, was like powering a toaster um, on the bike or he was Bulgarian split squatting like 200 kilos or something. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, their single leg strength would be nuts. Mm. Well, I think we're nearing the end of this one. Let's just do a, a rapid fire question to end with. So if we have a home gym, we only get three pieces of equipment for that home gym. No arming and ring for this one. Just three pieces straight up. Uh, Lawrence, you're first up. 
I think we can assume that, you know, the dumbbells, the weights that you're going to put on a barbell are a given. So I think we'll establish that from the get-go. But I'll probably say a leg press, a hack, and a cable. Interesting choice with the, the leg press and the hack. Yeah, maybe it's a bad choice. All right, it's too anyway, late it's now. Too I'm late. just going to yeah, have the best legs it. in my shoe. <laughs> yeah, you'd have no upper body, but just like giant legs. <laughs> That's me now, DC. What are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Yeah, I DC, think that's a rookie error. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll choose two upper body pieces and we can just trade. <laughs> what about you, DC? Um, I Have you guys seen those all-in-one multi-trainers like through Force USA? Like, <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Comes with a leg press, comes Bring with a hamstring curl, comes with yeah, a preach curl. Has yeah. like, you can fully set up a leg press. It's got a Smith machine into it. You can back squat off it. It's got cables attached to either side. Like you don't need a gym membership when you've got one of those, right? But it, yeah, yeah. So I guess something like that would be phenomenal. But then uh, to fill in the gaps, I'd probably also choose one of those multi um, leg extension and, and hamstring curl variants because you just may not be able to do that off, off that as well. Um, and then I probably want some sort of, some sort of row or lap, lap pull down or something like that would be awesome as well. Yeah, for me, I reckon it would be like a Cybex Smith machine. Uh, given that we've already got an adjustable bench, I wouldn't need to worry about that. Probably like one of the cable crossovers that you could also do like a lap pull down on alongside a pull up. Now I've got like one free choice. I don't know what I'd go with. Oof. Maybe like a, a hack squat or something along the lines of that. One heavy hitting leg piece. Nice. Yeah, I think I'd go a leg extension slash curl or one where you can just flick the lever and it transforms into the other one. And probably a, a Cybex Smith machine as well. And probably a cable stack as well. So I can do pull downs and stuff like that. Cool. Well, that pretty much rounds up episode five. So thank you everyone for listening. Uh, as per usual, if you enjoyed this one, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also check out the Instagram page, Bodybuilding Down Under, if you haven't already. Uh, make sure to take a screenshot of the episode tag bodybuilding down under tag us as well and we'll see you guys next week for episode six 